Welcome back, everybody. Uh, it is Encounter with God section here. Okay, we've had, we've had some uh, text messages and phone calls coming through to share a few different ideas. Uh, let me see here. Um, in relationship to euthanasia, we had this text message come through. It says, while I agree with your statement, we must consider if we were suffering with an incurable disease and pain, unbelievable pain by keeping us alive, don't you think it's tantamount to torture? Especially if you are at peace with God and are ready to die. Are we playing God ourselves by doing so? That's a hard mm. question to answer. And we talked a little bit we off did. air about yeah. We did. We did. Minnie and I kind of had this a bit of conversation around this subject. Mm. Are we playing God by keeping people alive? Okay, by shortening somebody's life, you can end their probation. So that's a word that we use to describe their opportunity for salvation. Yeah. By lengthening their life, you are never ending their opportunity for salvation early. And so that is in God's hands. And if God wants them to die earlier, you know, that, that's, that's entirely in God's hands. Our responsibility as human beings is to do what we can and what is in our power to keep people alive so that they have the greatest opportunity for salvation. And let God deal with all of the other issues because of, of, of when a person actually does die because he knows their heart. Mm. And in the future, you know, during the thousand years, it can be one of those, some of those questions that we can answer. You know, why did this person have to linger for seven years dealing with dementia? That's I, something I struggle I, with. I, I didn't randomly I, pick I that really number. struggle that with that argument. My grandmother's yeah. Yeah. experience. Yeah. And then we can actually judge for ourselves okay, did God do the right thing or the wrong thing here? You know, there are many questions here we simply cannot answer, and we do need to trust to God, knowing that we serve a God who has a track record of being all loving and all just. Um, and you know, I, I as we did, we also said off air out of all of the things that you know, the different um, stands that you know that I take here um, on Faith FM and defend from the Bible and so forth. This is the one that I find the most challenging for myself personally mm. um, because from an emotional perspective, from my own perspective, I, 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 my, my inner feeling, and I'm, I guess I'm being you know vulnerable on air here, so don't crucify me for it, but in my inner feelings, I would support it. Mm. I would support euthanasia, but I can't. Mm. As a Christian, because it's not my job to close somebody's probation, it's my job to extend it as far as I can. Now, does there come a point where we no longer medicate a person other than for, um, you know, pain relief and making them comfortable? Absolutely, there is, because once again, we are leaving that person's life in the hands of God, not in the hands of human beings. I'm not one who says, put the person on the machine and leave them on the machine for the rest of eternity. No. Mm. That we, we, can, we can safely leave a person's life in the hands of God, knowing that God loves them more than what any of us could ever love them and that we are placing them in the hands of somebody who cares for them beyond what we can even begin to imagine. It's a challenging one. Mm. This is a very challenging one here. Um, and uh, you know the the, the the final comment at the end was you know let nature take its course, and I and I I agree with letting nature take its course, but I also agree with you know 
combining with that, and I'm sure this person would probably agree with me, that we should let, nat- take, let, let nature take its course while alleviating suffering. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, we don't let nature take its course and let a person die in agony. Yeah, if we have the means to remove that agony. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's a tough one. It's a really, really hard one to deal with. Um, There's another. Okay. Here's another uh, message that's come through. I was living with an auntie when my grandfather was dying. There was extreme animosity against my mother who was looking after my grandfather all over the cost of his proper care. You can see where this was leading to. And this is mm. one of the issues that we were addressing earlier where um, if you get a toxic family, and there are a lot of toxic families in our in our country, having voluntary euthanasia means that there are going to be a lot of people who are pressured into taking their own lives mm-hmm. just by the toxicity of the family around them. Yeah. And they're going to be pressured that direction because it is available. And we should not be inflicting that on elderly people who are old and frail and suffering and terminal. Mm. You don't want a person's last thoughts to be, well, I'm doing this because I was pressured into doing this by my family. Yeah. And people can, okay, the legislation said you can't pressure a person. Well, guess what? How are you going to, the, 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 possibly the only witness is going to be dead. So how are you ever going to prove this in a court of law? How are you going to prove that these conversations happened? Yeah. Unless somebody does a full-on investigation in the, you know, in the weeks leading up to the person passing away and hides some secret recording devices in the home or something or other, and even then, you can put a tremendous amount of pressure on somebody to choose euthanasia without saying illegal words. Yeah, yeah, and I think with a lot of legis- legislation, rightly or wrongly, it often has to be catered to. I don't want to say the worst part of society, but kind of the worst extreme that a situation could happen, right? Mm. Because that's why we go, um, you know, we don't think murdering people is great. We're going to have laws around what happens if that if that happened. Most people aren't out there killing other people. Do you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Like the majority we're we're, we're of legislating us for, the, not, for, the, uh, for the minority extreme. Yeah, but it's still extreme an important minority. to have laws around that. Mm. Now, it does get tricky. Like I'm not saying lawmaking. I do not want to be a lawmaker. No, <laughs> like, this is true. No, Absolutely. But you do have to factor in those aspects. Yes. All right. So we've been talking about uh, these text messages. It's been coming through. It's a very con- controversial subject and mm. we would love to hear from you and we would love to uh, share your thoughts here on Faith FM. Our number to call is one eight hundred three two four eight four three, 324 or you can text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Uh, voluntary euthanasia is becoming a major issue in the state of Tasmania right now, um, and a lot of them are. Um, yeah, if you missed if you missed the conversation that we had earlier, of course you can look it up on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Just go to the podcast; we'll have that whole conversation there. All right, so do let us know um, what your experiences are. Very quickly, a hardened heart is the devil's toolbox. That came through yesterday, and this one today, getting out in nature, is the Holy Spirit's toolbox. So good. Yes, I love that. That is a truthism right there. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Is a truthism, I think. Look, it, you went with confidence, so I knew what you meant. Okay. All right. It is a thing as of today. John chapter 1 and verse 12. That's our Bible study. Normal uh, John or First John? Normal John. Okay, but then brilliant. Just just double big, checking on that. Big John. <laughs> big John. Big John. <laughs> brilliant. Sorry, what was the chapter? <laughs> the Gospel of John, chapter 1 and verse 12, we're talking about 
Uh, we're, talk- we're, we're talking about our testimony, sharing our testimony. And our testimony is always based on what Jesus has done for us. Mm-hmm. And we're going to look at some of the gifts of his grace. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Okay, so how big is that? That's big. Yes. <laughs> yes. So think about this for a moment. It's kind of a privilege to be a citizen of a country, right? So you're an yes. Australian citizen. Yes. But uh, that's by default. Yes, but it's, it's a privilege. Yeah. And it gives you privileges. Yes, yes. You know, when you are overseas, if something goes wrong, can you back. can go to the Australian Embassy mm-hmm. and they will endeavour to assist you. Yes. Because you have the privilege of being an Australian citizen. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are other things that you get as a privilege of being an Australian citizen. Uh, we have um, healthcare. Mm-hmm. So whether you've got private insurance or not, if you are critically ill, you can go down to the hospital and you will not be turned away. And we could probably list through a whole bunch of different privileges that there are by being a citizen. Aye. Okay. Uh, then we can go and we can say, well, you also have privileges as a child. Yes. Uh, you have privileges because you have parents who love you and care for you and look out for you and will on occasions do things for you and who invested, you know, over a million dollars raising you. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's actually how much it costs. That's so. crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> that's a big investment that they put into you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a privilege. Mm. But those are privileges that all exist here on this earth. What kind of, what level of privilege are we receiving here in this passage? Well, here it's saying um, it is to the right to become children of God. Okay, so we get to become the children of God, and so you now have a parent who is the ultimate parent. Mm. Not only that, but going along with that, you become citizens of the government of heaven, mm. the government of God. And that comes with special privileges. Uh, let's go over to Romans. Let's go to Romans. Let's, let's, let's look at just how far this goes. Romans, becoming a child of God, what does that actually bring with it? While we're turning there, Minnie. Yes, but I don't know where I'm going. What, oh, chapter? Romans chapter 8. Brilliant, I'm there. Yes? Yeah. What, what were your thoughts? You said while we're turning there? While we're turning there, what, what kind of rights and privileges do we get by becoming children of God? The big one that most Christians would know and say is eternal life. Eternal life. That's okay. a big Can't get much yeah. <laughs> better than that. That's pretty good. <laughs> yep. Um. And I actually think that, that that goes into so many areas. It's not even just about like eternal life. We've just been talking about euthanasia, right? Mm-hmm. To live forever in poor quality of life is that's just suffering, right? That's right. That's torture. Yeah, that's and that is not the God that we serve. Mm-hmm. Man, He's like, I want you to have life abundantly. Like you don't even know how good that's going to be. Um, I think there's so much hope and purpose in that. Which changes your life here on Earth yes. in this in this time in this age. Yes. Um, what was your question again? <laughs> oh, some of the privileges that we get. Yeah. Okay, let's read. Uh, let's read Romans chapter eight and verse 15, 16 and seventeen. Okey doke. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Do I do the next one as well? Uh, Did you do verse 17? Oh, no. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. 
But if we also share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Okay, so what's the English translation of Abba? It's like daddy. Yeah. It's like that close term. It's of, a really, yeah. really close It's not just term. distant, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't – when I meet my dad, I don't say, hello, father. No. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Ah. yeah. That's just kind of weird. It seems that's, a bit cold, hey? Like, it's very cold. Yeah. It's like uh, super formal. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And so here what God has did, you know, we become children of God – and we and, and God becomes our dad. Yes. That's really close. Yeah. We are adopted into that particular family. Mm. And with that family comes tremendous privilege. Yeah. Uh, where we become heirs of that family. Yeah. So, you know, neither you or I have ever been adopted, so I guess we can't really relate to it. But, you know, for somebody who has been adopted by really great parents, uh, you think about the privileges that come with that. Mm. You become a part of that family. You become heirs along with that family of everything that that family has to offer. And verse 17, if children then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. That's a bit crazy. Okay, so then you just simply got to ask yourself the question, okay, what is an heir? Someone who receives. It's an inheritor. Yeah. Someone who's an inheritor. So if we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ, then we are joint inheritors with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So then we simply have to ask ourselves the question, okay, what does Jesus Christ inherit? I would have, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let me ask this another way. What is there that Jesus Christ does not inherit? Because pretty much the whole universe. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's everything. Exactly. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Exactly. Ooh. Exactly. Uh huh. Right. Yep. Yep. So notice what God has done here. God has us as children. Yes. Didn't have to adopt us. Yes. We were very troubled, very broken children. Yes. I have friends who have, um, who are you know professional foster carers, mm. and as a result, they've got a you know a family of boys that you know have come from broken backgrounds and as you know that, that can be challenging incredibly challenging at times mm. now um, you know they, they get my utmost utmost respect for for what they do mm-hmm. and for uh, how they 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 minute but they didn't have to do that yeah I've never been a foster parent but they went out and chose to be foster parents and chose to give these kids a good life. Huge respect right there. This is what God did for us. Yeah. But, you know, you look at these kids and, okay, they've come from a rough background. We've come from the worst background. We're enemies of God. <laughs> we hated God. Yeah. God's like, I want to adopt you. And we're like, no, we don't want to have anything to do with you. We hate you. We're going to fight against you. And God's like, I want to adopt you. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, we don't want to be adopted. And he's like, okay, I'm going to pay. I'm going to buy you. And so it's like, all right, well, let's see how much we're worth. Hmm. You want to know how much you're worth? There is nothing more valuable than blood. Yeah. Jesus Christ came down, gave his life. He's like, okay, now you still don't have to join my family. Hmm. But I've paid for you so that you can. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know? Think about that. This is this it's is yours. The, it's yours if you want it. It's yours if you want it. Mm. Please join my family. Mm-hmm. I have a lot to offer. Please join my family. And a lot of the time we're like, no, we, we hate God. We, why would we, you know, and as human beings, we fight against God, even though <laughs> he is reaching out to us with so 
much love. Aye. And so then, you know, the Bible says we're enemies of God, we're sinners, we're broken, we're weak. And he's like, I don't care. I just want you to be part of my family. <laughs> mm. And then we become a f- part of the family of God. The Bible says we become joint heirs with Jesus Christ. It's a little bit like God saying, okay, I've got these new members of my family. I've just adopted them in. That's, that's cool. That's mm. awesome. What can I do for them? What can I give them? I want to give them a special present. Let me give them a, uh, an adoption day present. And he thinks and he thinks and he thinks. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to give them everything. It's <laughs> like, here, have the whole universe. Mm. Because God doesn't just love us so much that he gave his life so that we can receive salvation. Mm. He loves us so much that he's like, yeah, I'll give you salvation. I want to spend eternity with you. That's how much I like you. Uh, but you know what? I'm just going to – I'll add to that by giving you the universe as well. Mm. Hey, have this. And I also think as also the fact that he gives us his character – like the, it's the by, by holding we come change. He's like, oh, yes, your family. Now let's hang out. Now let's do things. And now I'm going to – I want you to have the things that's going to make not only your life but the people around you, yes. their life, better. So that you can put all that trauma behind you. Yep. Yep. Uh-huh. Be healed. Be redeemed. That's right. Live redeemed. Like. Yes. You're listening to The Breakfast Joe Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, guys, so the phone's been running hot this morning. We've got uh, Bruce joining us on the phone. Bruce, welcome to the show. Hello, Bruce. Let me see here. Is this plugged in correctly? It doesn't seem to be working. What was that sound? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Ah, go for it, Bruce. Yeah, yeah, Lyle. Um, I was thinking about maybe looking at from uh, what you were saying about us being children of God from God's perspective rather from us looking to God. Mm -hmm. And I look at it this, this way, like, Parents, like Adam and Eve, when they had a child, they came together, you know, and they made love and they had this child. Well, they had no control over this child. You know, it's being developed in Eve, you know, and but when it comes out, it's their child. It's part of them. Now, this is what the human race is, a special, really children, just like Jesus. Not exactly, no, we're not God, you know, but we're so special to God and he had to let us go through this process of this 6,000 years and gets these people out that he delivers that are actually his children himself being put into creation that, that that's why we have the universe. We, we end up being controlling the universe like God, you know, in government because we are him in a sense in a created being. Whereas the other ones like the angels and the other worlds, well, he just spoke them into existence, you know, they don't necessarily like this. Um, anyway, that's that's the way I'm sort of looking at it. Yeah, interesting, at. interesting thought that you've uh, that you've raised there, Bruce. Thank you for sharing with us this morning. And you know, it it does raise that question. You know, what is the what is the rest of the universe like, and how different are human beings from the rest of the universe as far as God's creation goes? You know, we've got a lot to learn. Um, mm. in, you know, in the future as to, uh, as to the whole universe and, and, and what it is that's actually taking place there. I think that, um, yeah, and, but also looking at it from God's perspective, we are his lost children, uh-huh. you yeah. know, and you can never lose that connection with your children. Uh, we've been looking at it from the human perspective, but there is, um, yeah, very much that, that whole aspect of, Okay, let's look at it from a parent's perspective now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Would you give your life for your children? 
And any parent that is out there, I think, would not even hesitate, not even blink. They'd be like, of course, that's obvious. Um, And this is what God did because he is our parent. He loves us that much. I think this is particularly relevant for people who who don't have parents. Mm. Uh, That God is ultimately the ultimate parent right there who ultimately does care for you to the point that he gave his life for you. Yeah. We should never forget this. Okay, thank you, Bruce, for uh, calling through and sharing that with us. We're going to uh, go to John chapter 10 and verse 10 next. So that's John chapter 10 and verse 10. Uh, we've got, uh, I'm not sure we've got any answers. We've got a few phone calls coming through. It'll be interesting to see if anyone can come up with an answer for this quiz. <laughs> okay, John 10 verse 10, please, Minnie. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Okay, or in uh, other words, life and life more abundantly. There's a verse, sorry, just while we're talking about this, there's a verse in Psalms, which I just think is so beautiful. It's talking about God and it says, your paths drip with abundance. And I love it because it's the idea, it's like not just God is going to like fill this until it's full. It's like there's so much goodness in who God is that it's just like dripping off, you know, it's cascading down, you know, it's like... Anyway, I just think it's a cool picture. <laughs> Dripping with abundance. Yeah. That is isn't awesome. It? Like this isn't just, okay, you have life now. It's like, man, this life is so full that you don't know what to do with it. Oh, I love that. Okay, let's go to John chapter 14 and verse 27. A whole bunch of uh, John verses coming through here. I love John. Like, oh, it's just oh the best. so good. So 14 verse. Yes. And so basically what we're looking at is our testimony, and our testimony is based on the gifts, the good things that God does for us. Mm. So John chapter 14, verse 27 says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. Don't be troubled or afraid. Okay, now there's an interesting there's an interesting thought, particularly if we go back to the testimony that we had here yesterday where uh, we had Josh Gonzalez oh, sharing yeah. the first half of his testimony. He's going to come back again and join us next week um, with the second half. And you look at his life when he was in the world. Did he have peace? No. No way. Chaotic. The devil always comes to us and says, this is the way. Go down this path. This is a path of peace. Mm. And it never works out. It's never a good idea. It always goes badly. Um, And it never provides peace. Whereas when God says, I'll give you a path of peace, he truly means it. Yeah. And you will truly, and you talk to somebody who's been on both sides of that fence. And the peace that God gives you is a peace that passes all understanding. Mm-hmm. And if you're somebody that today who is, you know, struggling with peace in your life and your life is in turmoil, go to Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Go to God. Um, he is the solution right there. He is the person who will, will, will bring you peace. Yeah. And so when we look at all the gifts that we receive through, you know, um, the goodness of God. I mean, they just keep coming and coming and coming. All right, First Corinthians chapter one and verse thirty. Yep. First um, Corinthians chapter one and verse thirty. And you know, just on that peace thing, um, I think that is such a beautiful message because we live in an age and a time where so many people that I've spoken to, they'll use the words when they're talking. They're like, "I'm just restless. Life's chaotic. It's so hectic. It's hard. Like all of these things." And like the Bible says that God is a father of comfort and kindness. And it's like, I love this verse because yes. 
I think peace is something we often lack. <laughs> like, and it's not about not having circumstances in our life that get tired, but it's like, can you have that peace in the midst of this storm? Can you be in a place that should be scary and have the peace and comfort in it? That it's, you know, like it's, it's not about going, this isn't a real situation. I don't need to worry at all. Cause someone's like, no, this is a really hard thing you're going through. That's real. We're not asking, like God doesn't, isn't saying be delusional and like it isn't even there. Just like calm your mind and, you know, it's not even real. Of course it's real. But God goes, no, 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 no. Like I want to give you life in that space. Absolutely. And we've got a few more uh, text messages coming through here oh, real brilliant. quick. Uh, somebody wants to know about once saved, always saved. Ooh. So maybe we'll do something on that for question of the day. Yes. I do have a study on that subject. Um, so if you'd like a copy of that, I think I've got it on my computer somewhere. Just shoot us an email. I can uh, send it out for you. Somebody else wants to talk about humans as a special creation um, and talking about how that God knew that we would fall because God knows all things. And as a result, our world becomes the test case for sin in many ways. Mm-hmm. So this is an interesting way of looking at it in that you know God allows sin to exist once so that it will never exist again. Yeah. So the whole universe can see what's going on. Yeah. Oh, so many good things. <laughs> and we just don't get the time to finish them all. It's always um, the way. <laughs> let's, uh, let me just finish with this. Mm-hmm. We've talked about the, the blessings, the gifts that come from God. Yes. Those gifts require you to surrender and to sacrifice. One of the, what, are the, what are the some of the things that you've sacrificed to God? We don't have time to answer that right now. But when I've just finished a study on the blessings of God, I find it hard to think of anything that's been a sacrifice Hmm. because the good things just outweigh the sacrifices by so much. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. So it's now time for... Question of the Day. I feel like there's always like a teeny tiny, tiny not battle, but there's something between like you two. Is like, okay, let's get the timing. Are we going to say it? Are we going to get it right? <laughs> like Liam's just so excited to play the jingle. <laughs> he is the king of jingles. <laughs> it's the favourite part of my day. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. All right, what have we got? Question of the day. Okay, the question is, in 1 Samuel chapter 6, mm-hmm. there's a story. The Philistines have captured the Ark of the Covenant. They take it back. Yes. This plague comes upon them. They realize, oh dear, this is bad. Let's get rid of it. It seems to be to do with the God of this thing. Let's send it back. We'll send it with a trespass offering. Yes. Fill it with things which really were not good. Yes. Take it back. But it was kind of the best thing that they had. It was the could. best that they had, exactly. And so then the people come and get it. So this is now, I think, as well as the Israelites. Yes. They get it. They take it. You think, oh, this is a good thing. No, now they also get smashed with disease. Yes. So our question is really looking at. Does God, how responsible is God for directly inflicting suffering on people? Okay, and then there's, there's a couple of things that we need to, um, I guess, take into account here because you can kind of see why the Israelites would get smashed for having the ark. Not the Israelites, the Philistines. They were the enemies of God. They're ranked pagans. They put the ark in the temple of their God who was, um, his name was Dagon. He was yes. a fish, half fish, half man. And, of course, Dagon gets smashed a couple of nights in a row in front of the ark, and God is reaching out to the Philistines and saying, okay, your gods are nothing, I'm powerful. Mm. Then it goes back to the Israelites, and we need to remember the Israelites did the wrong thing by the ark. They did not treat it with respect. They're like, oh, cool, the ark has turned up. This is pretty awesome. It turned up supernaturally. Okay, so they, they put the, the Philistines put it on a cart of two cows yes. that had just, just given birth 
to calves and they tied the calves up and the cows walked straight to Israel, mm. away from their calves. And they're okay, like, okay, yeah, this is, this is supernatural. And so in many ways, and of course they, they send offerings, they do the best that they can with their pagan knowledge and they actually end up treating the ark with more respect than the Israelites who were very clearly told, don't touch it, don't look at it. And of course they go and open it up and like, oh, let's check this thing out, let's see what's inside of it. Mm-hmm. And so they went against the express and clear word of God. But the real question you're asking is God using punitive punishment right here. Mm. Is this and the obvious answer? And I believe that we should always go with the obvious. I don't believe that we should try and read into things, things that are difficult to read in, is yes. Mm. Absolutely. This is punitive action by God. So then why? Why does God use punitive action on occasion? Really good quote from C.S. Lewis. It's not in the Bible, but I think it illustrates the point really well. C.S. Lewis said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. Mm. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And when you look at the Israelites in this particular instance, there was no way they were going to listen to the still small voice of God because they were so far from God, they treated the ark with contempt. When you look at the Philistines, um, on the other hand, they were also very, very far from God. But they weren't, let's say that God had come to them and just poured out blessings on them when the ark turned up. Was that going to win them to God? They're like, no. They think it was their gods. Yeah, no. that's right. They would attribute it to their gods. But when God shouted out in pain and when their God got smashed a couple of times in a row, like, okay, there's a more powerful, we're, we are in the presence of a more powerful deity here. And we need to treat this God with respect. And so the Philistines actually learnt to respect Yahweh to a certain extent. And because they did, the context for this story was the the whole reason they got the ark was because the Israelites brought into a battle that they shouldn't have been in. That's right. And the, the Philistines went, <gasps> the ark, we know the stories about Egypt. We know the stories about this God. Yes. But then they defeat them. So then they take the ark. So That's they actually right. know there's an element of this Yahweh God that has immense power. And you've got to understand the culture of the times. The culture of the time was if my army can defeat your army, that's because my God is stronger. Yes, yeah. And so they've had this victory. They've concluded that Dagon is stronger and God's like, yeah, no, actually he's not. My people were just unfaithful. Mm. Very, very powerful and important lesson for both nations. God is trying to reach both nations with his love and with his grace. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.